Momentum definitely on his side as Denny Hamlin comes out of four. And Denny Hamlin will once again see the checkered flag. He wins at the Monster Mile. How about that, baby? No more to down the beat. We are winners here. Awesome. Great job, guys. Kevin Harvick is going to win. He sweeps. What a weekend. Good job. Fought all day yesterday, and it paid off today. Getting it right. Thank you. Stage one, stage two, and the win for Kevin Harvick sweeping the day. Hello again. Welcome to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we've got a fun one this week. I mean, there's no other way to, to put it. This is going to be a really fun episode because of our main topic. But just to give an overview of what we're going to be getting into on this episode, first we're going to start with a recap of last weekend, which was Dover. Two races at Dover. We're going to talk about that and uh, how we did with the picks that we put out there and just the races overall in general. Then we'll talk about the track stats because we are headed to Daytona for the Coke Zero 400, and it's going to be a, a good one. So that's where we're spending most of our time talking about this episode. We'll be talking about the money lines, the prop bets. we got a manufacturer best driver in the manufacturer bet that I like this week, and uh, some daily fantasy stuff in that section. Then we'll get into some head-to-head matchups. We're talking four of them. We need to do better in these areas, and we'll see if Daytona is the remedy for that. And then in the Phil's Fired Up section at the end, kind of a hodgepodge of all things future bets. So uh, some things that you can bet, some things that we wish we could bet on, and the rumor mill in general. So uh, stay tuned for that if you like that type of stuff. So with that, we'll just take a quick look back at Dover because how can you just ignore two races? Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. I mean, when we're talking doubleheaders, how can we not talk about these guys moving forward? I, I don't know if next year's schedule will have... These doubleheaders, maybe Pocono will, but I'm going to tell you, if there is an opportunity for us to bet on doubleheader weekend, I don't care what's going on at any point in time, I'm taking Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin in those two races because they dominate doubleheaders. It, it's like they're trying to outdo each other. Hamlin ties up the lead for the wins in the regular season on Saturday, and Harvick comes right back on Sunday and snags another win to go up 7-6 in that category for the season. So just crazy. I mean, when you're when you're saying doubleheader, DH, Denny Hamlin, it's not even that hard to forget. The initials are right there in the name. But as far as our picks were concerned, we didn't hit the money line. I mean, we were trying to, you know, avoid those two guys and the favorites and and trying to score on some of the other guys that make sense. Truex, I mean, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but he was just so close. He just let us down on that money line win. But it was okay because it was honestly just fine. We did awesome this past weekend, crushing top 10 picks and good value top 10 picks to boot. We hit three top 10 picks alone on Sunday afternoon. And I'll tell you what, Jimmy Johnson, that pick, we took him for both Saturday and Sunday to finish in the top 10. We talked about how they're going to point their way into the playoffs or at least try their damnedest in doing so. I've never felt more cocky than Sunday afternoon after that race, just nailing that pick, walking around all smug around my house like I know exactly what I'm talking about. That felt really good. So even though we didn't hit Moneyline, the 
top tens really crush it for us. Prop bets, I mean, we continue to hit the over-under bet on the head. Under 11.5 both days, that was just absolutely perfect. And then odd or even, we hit the odd on Saturday. It was a wash with Sunday, but nonetheless, very good. And then our head-to-heads, they were kind of a wash as well. Um, Did a little bit better on Saturday than we did on Sunday with the head-to-heads. But overall, we're coming out on top with the, the money we put down, so feeling really good. And then something else to call out. Very big weekend for any of you out there who were hitting that prop bet for the winner of the race to win both stage one and two. It was plus 600. It always has been plus 600 Saturday and Sunday. And both times, Hamlin on Saturday, one stage one, two, and the race. Same exact thing happened to Harvick on Sunday. So if you're a guy who bets that every week, you were just raking it in plus 600 both Saturday and Sunday. Congrats to you. If you did do that, I need to hear from you because that's that's a ballsy bet right there, especially on any day. But two days in a row, my goodness, can't even imagine that. Um, the, the race itself, I mean, was it interesting? I think the playoff hunt really kept things interesting to us. They were really focusing on those guys on the cut line. So it was really Byron versus Johnson. And we'll talk about them towards the end of this podcast. But um, the races, I mean, when you have guys winning stage one, two and the race, I would say that that's pretty boring. Um, and when your guys don't hit on the money line, you're, you're really cheering for them. Makes it a little bit tougher, but, um, you know, I would say 50-50 for me. And then the last thing I'll just touch on, Indy 500, whew, man, it's a good thing we bet on NASCAR. We were all off on that one. I mean, we had Scott Dixon. He was our guy that we, we liked, finished second. He was just up front most of the day. And then that that random dude, that, that Satu guy, or whatever his name was, that I was, I was kind of talking shit on. Uh, he jumped up and... Um, stole that one away so not too thrilled with the way that one panned out but hey that's why we're a nascar podcast you know what i'm saying so all in all solid weekend and and now we're going to set our sights on the world center of racing daytona baby that's where we're going next and i don't know if you noticed but we've got i think five night races at least in a row on this schedule starting with this daytona night race so if you are a fan of night racing my goodness, you are in for one hell of a month. I'm a huge fan of the night racing. I had heard some people on Reddit and, and on the NASCAR radio. You have some people that just hate night racing for some reason, and I don't get it. To me, it's an opportunity to sit back, drink some beers, and, and watch some great racing. So I'm very excited for this stretch that we have, but most of all, Daytona, because this is the most fun race we're going to have on the schedule, I would say, coming up. Because we have Talladega. I mean, super speedways, to me, are the most fun to watch. But the, the night atmosphere, the night race, really makes it that much better. So as a gambler, this is a tough racetrack to, to bet on. The odds are way up, all right? So even the favorite is going off at plus 600. So that means that's just giving you the warning sign that this is a tough track to bet on. It's tough to pin down who's going to be good because of the chaos that happens at these super speedways. And and Daytona, I mean, obviously is the the best of them. So you got to try to pick through this stuff and find the sleepers. It makes it fun to watch, but it's also fun to bet on because this is a track where you could just bet on your favorite driver. It doesn't matter who they are. Right. They could be having the worst year ever, Ryan Newman, Matt Kenseth, but everybody has an 
opportunity to come home with a win, especially this summertime Daytona night race. This is where we end up with some of these wonky winners. Justin Haley won last year. I know that was a rain-shortened race, but hey, I mean, he's a weird one. Eric Jones, I mean, kind of the off-brand guys, right? Eric Jones, JGR guy, but not the guy. Ricky Stenthouse, I mean, we know that he's a big super speedway guy, but he's not the like top varsity level guys. Eric Amarola, when he won, that was kind of a weird one. So you get what I'm saying here. This isn't a racetrack where it's just going to be the same old stuff. You're going to get some weird names and that makes it fun to bet on because you can throw some extra money down and just say, hey, whatever happens, happens. You're just looking for some guys to make it through this stuff. So that doesn't mean we can't try to do our best with the statistics and pick out some guys that make sense. But at some point, you're just going to have to throw some money down on some people just for fun. And we'll talk about that later as well. So let's talk Sean Boy track stats. Once again, sponsored by Sean Boy. If you are struggling, we're getting to Labor Day now. And if you still haven't turned in those TPS reports, those Excel spreadsheets that your boss is looking for, you're in a pinch. You better give Sean Boy a call because he's going to bail you out so you can have a great Labor Day weekend. Sean Boy is our numbers. He's our analytics expert. He's the guy who got us through creating that draft stat a couple weeks back that we're going to utilize down the road here. He is the numbers guy. If you need help with your numbers, your spreadsheets, you give him a call. Sean Boy, he's our boy. So with Daytona, we've got 146 races to work with. That's a ton of data. We love it. Sean Boy loves it. It's great. So starting on the poll, the winner has started there 26 times. The last time it happened was Dale Jr. in 2015. Now, this is where it gets interesting with me with these track sets, because when you think of Daytona, you think anything could happen, just like that whole spiel that I just went on. But the track stats would actually tell you that it's pretty similar to an intermediate track, because if you look at the winner starting in the top five, it's happened 74 times. That's 51% of the time, which is strange to me because you think, hey, the winner can just come from anywhere at Daytona. But no, top five, that's 50% of the time. That was a little higher than I thought it was going to be. And then starting within the top 10, 111 times for 76%. That 50% and 75% mark, that's very eerily similar to a mile and a half racetrack. And then starting outside the top 20, it's only happened 12 times, 8%. So now the thing about that is the last two races we've had at Daytona were won by Denny Hamlin and Justin Haley, both of them starting outside the top 20. So interesting stat there, but just kind of throwing me off a little bit because you, you think, hey, it doesn't matter where they're starting from. They're going to get in that pack. The big one's going to happen. You'll, you'll weave your way to the front, but that's not necessarily the case. And there's not really much of a pattern when it comes to the manufacturer here. All three of them, the last six races, have had a win in uh, those six races. Toyota's had three of them, Chevy with two, Ford with one. So everybody's getting in on the business here at Daytona. Everybody has fun when we go to this racetrack. So as far as strategy is concerned, we're kind of all over the board because we want to make sure we're, we're hitting on the big guns, but we also don't want to miss out on somebody who had a great race. Some of these guys who are the obscure picks, we want to make sure that we're not missing out or on the outside looking in when at the end of the race, we see some of these weird names in the top 10. So we will start like always talking about picks to win the race. And for this one, we're going with the 
kind of the Goldilocks approach here. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. So this is one kind of heavy favorite, one way outside the box, and then right in the middle. So let's start with Denny Hamlin. Yes, he's going off at plus 600. Plus 600 is the favorite to win the race. That automatically is telling you, you know, this is uh, this is something that is hard to do. But Hamlin, I mean, he's proven himself at this racetrack. He is the super speedway guy now after winning back-to-back Daytona 500s. I mean, he just has that car up front. And it makes sense that he's going off at the favorite because, A, he's got the resume at Daytona, and, B, he's one of the hottest race car drivers in the circuit right now, winning on Saturday at Dover. So if we're taking a look at his stats, in the last 10 races, he has three wins here, five top fives, five top tens, and all three of his wins came in the Daytona 500, which is great for him, but as far as trying to pinpoint someone for this nighttime summer race, Eh, that's not exactly what you want to hear. But the fact of the matter is, this season, he's just too good to pass up on. Every time that I kind of pass on Hamlin for a reason like that, he ends up going out and, you know, proving history wrong and, and snagging a win. So, I can't pass him up. Now, his numbers, if we want to look a little further at the summertime, they're just not that great. I mean, when you look at his Daytona 500 stats versus his summertime stats, it they're... A lot different from each other but like i said his overall stats at this racetrack i'm not trying to get too bogged down when it comes to somebody like denny hamlin in that case so they're too good to pass up i mean his overall daytona stats he's second in driver rating 88.3 that tells you i mean that's another thing that tells you how hard it is to be good here he's second and his driver ratings 88 you know we usually see the the people up in the top five around like the 100 mark uh, his average finish is third in the last 10 races. 13.1 is his average finish. That's good enough for third on the circuit. Now, here's a stat that we haven't really talked about this year on the podcast, but I find this interesting for a racetrack like Daytona, and it's most points earned in the last 10 races because that's telling you that, you know, no matter what, with stage racing and everything, these are the guys who are keeping the car up front. They're getting the points at the end of the day, what matters. So if they're cashing in, then we could potentially cash in. Denny Hamlin has the most points earned out of everybody in NASCAR in the last 10 races, 302 points, in case you're uh, wondering what that logistic number looks like there. So plus 600 for somebody like that, Denny Hamlin, I like it. I mean, I feel like that value is good. It's a racetrack where we can cash in on some good values, and Hamlin is just an example of that. So the other thing is, I mean, he's going into the playoffs, last race before the playoffs. We didn't say that yet on the episode, but I think you probably know that already. He's down a win now to Harvick. I mean, these guys are definitely comfortable, but I would think that they've been trying to keep pace with the four car. So how great would it be to, to snag a win here and go in tied seven apiece, seven wins apiece with the four. So you go in kind of an even playing field almost into the playoffs. You don't want to give any inches away to any other driver, especially Harvick. So that win could mean everything to them. So locking it in plus 600 for Denny Hamlin as our favorite. Now, I'll go with the long shot pick now. This is one way out. And you could really get crazy with any of these because the odds really start to drop off pretty quickly. But I'm going to go with a guy who, I don't know, for some reason, when you're talking kind of obscure names, 
this guy to, to win a race rather Clint Boyer stands out to me. I mean, he's quirky. He's there, but he's not. He's going off at plus 2,500. That's a fantastic value. And he's still, you know, in the playoff hunt. I mean, he's in, but he's not locked in. So this race, you know, means a lot. He's pretty comfortable, I would say. And we're going to get to that, you know, later on in the Phil's Fired Up section. But one top five, four top tens in his last 10 races here. And his best finishes have always come in the summertime. Now, when we're looking at all-time, a driver's all-time average finish here for their career, Clint Boyer is actually second on the circuit. 16.4 is his average finish here for his career. His driver rating just outside the top 10, 11th, 77.8 is his driver rating here. So kind of an obscure pick because he's on a strong team, but he's not the guy. That seems to be the pattern for these summer Daytona night races. And, you know, his 2020 season, he still has some momentum going here. Going into last weekend, he had a sixth place finish to ride in on. On Saturday, he scored another sixth place finish. On Sunday, he kind of dropped off a little bit back to 16th. But the point being, I mean, they're building some momentum, and why not? I mean, he's in that range where he could get a win, and you as the gambler could really score a, a big ticket here. So he's my long shot this week, the 14 car plus 2,500. Lock it in there. And then finally, my, my Goldilocks pick, there's kind of a, a lot of names that you could go for here, but I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. So he's been solid on super speedways. He's got a win at Talladega. And at the Daytona 500 this year, he famously finished second with the Ryan Newman wreck. At the end, he easily could have won that race if things had just gone uh, inches in another direction. But in nine races at Daytona, he has two top fives and three top tens. He's led 147 laps here. So he's going to put that 12 car up there and try to get that clean air, try to stay away from the mess behind him. 147 laps led. That's third out of everybody. And his driver rating, it's sixth out of everybody in the sport right now, 87.0. Now, his average finish isn't great, but that's why I like driver rating in this case. His average finish is 19.7, but the driver rater, driver rating excuse me, tells you that different story, that he is keeping the car up front. He's not getting the finishes that he deserves. So he's kind of forgotten about a little bit this season. You know, he's there, and he's locked into the playoffs. He's very comfortable. He's racing on a good team, Team Penske. So he fits the mold, I would say, of that different type of driver winning this race. I mean, I know he's more of a fan favorite than some of those other guys we called out. But he's really third string to Kozlowski and Logano at Team Penske. So he kind of fits that mold. And he really is the sweet spot when we're talking about the strength of a driver at a specific racetrack, plus the value that you're getting for him, plus 1,200. I mean, that's that's really good for a driver like this. So I really like it. And then just to throw on a, a little bit of a, a, a different lens on it, a different take, out of nowhere, I just brought up all the driver's odds to win the race this week, and I showed them to my wife, and I said, hey, Pick somebody that you think looks good here. Now, she doesn't know these guys from anything. She's not a NASCAR fan in the least. And she landed on Ryan Blaney. She said, I, I like that number. 
I like that name. His number's 12, and uh, it's going off a of plus 1,200. I was like, damn, I didn't even think about that. So um, lock it in. I mean, that that's kind of something that's like the, the person who doesn't really care at all about the March Madness pool ends up winning. Um, I'm going to harness that energy and put it into that pick this week. So Ryan Blaney plus 1,200 on a, on a good one there. So to recap, the Moneyline picks to win this week at Daytona, Hamlin plus 600, Blaney plus 1,200, and Clint Boyer plus 2,500. Lock it in. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Next up is the section we call the props section. In this area, we're going to take a look at some top 10 picks and some true props like over, under, odd, even, best driver in the manufacturer. And then also, we're going to throw in some daily fantasy action because the numbers for those are out early this week since it's a Saturday race, so we got to Take advantage of that and talk about it while we can. So we'll start with top tens. This has been our moneymaker, our bread and butter recently. And I'm getting a little cocky this week. I talked about it in the intro. We're going to try to take advantage of some guys who have some long shot odds to finish in the top ten compared to these other drivers. So if we were to hear these names just on a weekly basis, you would think that we're just pulling them out of thin air. But there's some... Method to the madness here. So let's get right down to it. The first name when I saw the odds come out this week that I was scanning for was Austin Dillon. What were his odds to finish in the top 10? That's all I could think about. And lucky for us, pretty damn good. Plus 175 to finish in the top 10. I'm going to have to think that that number is going to go down a little bit. By the time race day rolls around, I'm all over this for Austin Dillon. And why, you may ask? Well, he's got some stats that sort of back this up. So if we're talking about all-time average finish for their career, Austin Dillon has the best, first out of everybody active on Saturday, best average finish for his career. It's 14.9. That's a point and a half better on average for his career. Now, if we're looking at it in just the last 10 races with everybody, he's fourth. So still top five for that stat is pretty good. No matter what racetrack you're at, especially this one. So when we're looking at driver rating, he's 12th, 77.8 is a driver rating there. And I brought up earlier the stat of points earned at a racetrack. And when we're talking about Austin Dillon, well, he's fifth in points earned at Daytona. So we're looking at him to just finish in the top 10. That's all we need him to do. He's done it 50% of the time in his last 10 races. Five top 10 finishes in the 500, the Daytona 500 this year in 2020. He finished 12th, so just missed that one. He's got a win at this racetrack Back in 2018, he won the Daytona 500. So it's a track that he is very good at. And on top of that, he had a pretty good weekend at Dover. I mean, he he was up front a little bit. I know he was a little bit off cycle there, but he showed speed. Now, the car itself, the team, when Kaz Grala got in the car, that was back at the Daytona road course a few weeks ago. They've got a top 10 out of it. So that team has momentum. Austin has a little bit of momentum coming back off of COVID. So plus 175, he was the guy that I was looking for. And I'm feeling pretty confident with these stats, with what I'm seeing here in the last week. I like it. Mark it down for the three car, Austin Dillon. Now there's a, another guy that we talked about two weeks back. We said that this guy just loves Daytona. It doesn't matter if it's a road course. This guy walks into Daytona, 
and he just feels the good vibes, and it's Michael McDowell. And what happened at the road course? He scored a top 10. Top 10 for Michael McDowell. So he's going off at an astronomical number, in my opinion, for someone who has his track history here. Plus 275 to finish in the top 10. I'd love that. I love that stat. I'm all over. It's going to make the race on Saturday night really fun. Last 10 races for Michael McDowell. He's got two top fives and four top tens. 40% of the time. This is great for the gambler. His average finish in the last 10 races out of all active drivers, his average finish is second. 12.3. Yes, we're not talking about you know, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott. No, we're talking about Michael McDowell, and he's second in average finish. He finished 14th in the 2020 Daytona 500, and last year's summer race, she was 13th, so just missing the top 10 in those two races. So 2019 in the 500, he finished 5th. And when we look at that points earned stat, McDowell is 6th. So we love it. We love it. These are numbers that if I was throwing this out there about a bigger name, it would be like, yeah, let's take him to win the race. I mean, to win the race, he's like plus 5,000. So, uh, you know, I'm not going that far. I've seen him finish in the top 10. Stay out of the wrecks. He, he seems to have a knack for that. Stay out of the wrecks. Keep it clean. And then we get some of these, you know, green, white checker. He's going to snake his way up there and, and get that top 10. So, Plus 275, that's one where you're going to feel really good. Now, there's another guy that I feel less strongly about, but hey, since we're kind of just taking a shot here, I don't really get a chance to call somebody like this out. We're going to go with Ty Dillon. Now, he's also going off at plus 275, and I think he comes to mind when we talk about super speedways, more so for Talladega than Daytona. He has eight starts here, one top five, three top tens, so pretty solid. And at the 500 in 2020, he had his one of his worst finishes, 30th. And you think to yourself, okay, I mean, that's, that's not good energy, not good vibes. But before that, his finishes at Daytona were 4th, 6th, and 6th. So there's your three top 10s right there. I mean, very recent. So this isn't like he, you know, snagged these top 10s a ways away. This is, you know, him being better lately. He had a rough finish, wrecked in the 500, but that's fine. Kind of a shot in the dark here. We can clearly see that he's improving at this racetrack. Super Speedways are really the 13 car's only real chance to do anything fantastic or, or surprising. So I would say that he's got a lot of eggs in the basket this weekend. And plus 275, that number is just so high that you can even throw a little bit of money down and, and still you know get a tiny little... Um, chunk of change if he were to pull that one off so love it 13 car plus 275 and just to recap these are all shots that are you know pretty long long shots but i'm feeling good with top tens recently they've been the the go-to spot so i'm gonna hope that we really cash in big here so to recap austin Dillon in the three car plus 175 michael mcdowell plus 275 and ty Dillon plus 275 also. Now we'll transition over to another prop bet that I like, and this is talking about focusing on the best Toyota driver. So you have the ability for these sports books most of the time to look at each manufacturer and choose who the driver is that's going to finish ahead of the rest of the guys driving for that 
car. So I like Toyota because there's a lot less drivers driving a Toyota. And it's really just the Joe Gibbs camp and Christopher Bell. Now at Daytona, really everybody comes into play because there are some of the, the stinkers that are in there. I mean, who knows? They could jump up in the, the mix there. But for the most part, it's just those five guys. So what we're talking here is just beat five guys. That's all you need to do. Martin Truex Jr. is plus 400. Now, hear me out here, because for me, it's really just worth the value. Because we talked about Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's trying to, to win the race for plus 600. All we need Truex to do is just beat four other guys, and it's plus 400. Now, his stats at Daytona are kind of surprising. I for whatever reason, I was sort of drawn to him thinking that he was really good here, but he, he actually is a two top tens in his last 10. Not great. And his finishes otherwise are nothing to write home about. He's not in the top 10 for driver rating or average finish or any of that stuff. So kind of surprising about Truex there, but this is more so insurance. You know, if, if Hamlin, something happens to him, Truex could be there. And the reason I'm, I'm focusing on him is a, for his value, because Kyle Busch is, Hamlin's the, the favorite to win this prop bet. He was going off at plus 115, so clearly a heavy favorite there. Kyle Busch was behind him at plus 325. He has good numbers here. We're going to talk about him in the head-to-head -head section. So my thought process was, hey, why not Truex here at plus 400? I mean, not a bad value, but the thing about it is Truex is on a crazy top three streak and it goes all the way back to Kansas. He finished second on Saturday, third on Sunday. His, his streak is just crazy. So if you think about it, if that streak were to continue, then you're basically saying that Denny Hamlin's not going to win the race and you cash in on this bet, right? So I like it just for that factor. He's just been the bridesmaid lately. He has not been the bride. He can't get that win. But if he's just up in that top three area, like he's been for the better half of the last two and a half months, then we're going to be in good shape with this bet. So a little bit of insurance here for the Hamlin pick to win the race. And um, I also think it's just more fun to, to have a bet out there where it's just you got to beat four other guys. So Truex is our pick there at plus 400. Over-under and odd or even, these are the true prop bets. I'm sticking with what we know. The over-under this week, they set the line at 12.5 straight up. Minus 115 on either side of it. We're going under. We're crushing these unders. And this is one week where it could be crazy, crazy finish and we could get a random number to win the race. But at the end of the day, hey, I'm taking under because that's but that's been working for us. And the odd or even, odd is the heavy underdog plus 130 for the odd because it's Daytona and because we have some names out there like Hamlin. You think of some of these other guys like, I mean, Austin Dillon, for example. I mean, he's won a race here at Daytona. Kurt Busch has some strong stats there. Um, it, it's really just makes sense to take the obscure, the underdog pick on this one just to, to cash in because I like to try to take the underdog on these little props when I can, try to get some more money rather than giving up money. So, hey, we'll see. It's been working, so we'll see if it continues. Now, to cap it off here in the prop section, I just want to touch on my daily fantasy roster for DraftKings coming up this week because they did open up the rosters 
and I was a little shocked to see Chase Elliott as the most expensive driver. We're going to talk about Chase in just a little bit in the head-to-head section, but we're going to talk about why it doesn't really make sense. So I'm avoiding Chase in the Daily Fantasy. My top guy is Ryan Blaney. I talked about why I liked him to win the race. He's going at 10000 It's a little pricey, but I liked it. We're going to make up the value there with Ty Dillon and Michael McDowell. Ty Dillon and McDowell both under seven grand. So Ty, 6100 McDowell, 6900 We talked about those guys in the top 10 section. I really liked them. The other top 10 pick, Austin Dillon, he's at 9000 So clearly DraftKings Daily Fantasy thinks that he's a, a pretty good pick this week. And uh, that value shows that. Then Stenhouse is a pick that I like just to throw him in there. He's a super speedway guy. We're going to talk about him in the head-to-head section a little bit more detail, but he's right at that average mark, 8300 for uh, his value there. I think that's worth it. So then we're left with a pretty good chunk of change, and I'm going to throw in Joey Logano. I don't have Joey's stats in front of me. I just feel like he's one of those guys who's usually up front at these super speedways. He likes Daytona. He's won there in the past. It's just uh, he's someone that, I haven't really bet on or haven't allocated any bets to so far this week. So I'm going to throw him in my daily fantasy because I feel like he's someone that will jump up and pop out of the woodwork on you. So that's the the lineup. Blaney, Ty Dillon, McDowell, Austin Dillon, going with both Dillon brothers, huh? Logano and Stenhouse is the daily fantasy roster. We'll put that up on the Instagram story for anyone who wants to follow along and maybe even go against me, try to chirp me a little bit. But that's the prop bet section for this week for Daytona. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. Okay, so now it's time to take on some head-to-head picks this week. And this is a section that we need to just get better at. We keep saying it week in and week out. I'm looking for a 4-0 week. It's been a long time since we've had one of those So maybe Daytona, I mean, it's going to be a really tough call to try to do it at a racetrack like that. But hey, who knows? Anything can happen. So we're going to start. We got four matchups here. We're going to start with Kevin Harvick taking on Brad Keselowski. Harvick is going off at minus 129 to Keselowski's minus 104. Harvick clearly is one of the hottest guys. We've talked about him along with Denny Hamlin. I mean, coming off of that win on Sunday, he is someone that just has it going on. I mean, the, the world is just his world. We're living in it. It doesn't matter. Now, both of these guys at Daytona, they're not world beaters. I mean, they're huge names in the sport, but at Daytona, they are not guys that really stand out to you when you just look at the stats. If you do one of those like blind stat tests, these guys are not people that you would really focus on. So we'll start with Kevin Harvick. He's got three top fives and three top 10s in his last 10 races here. His average finish, though, 21.2. That's really low compared to some of these other guys. His driver rating, though, does speak for itself. Eighth out of all active drivers, 82.8. So pretty good there. Now, if we want to focus on 2020, clearly the year of Harvick, he finished fifth in the 500. So that's a pretty good number when we're talking about head-to-head. Fifth, you know, it's going to be tough to beat. So if he were to do that again this week, you know, we'd be probably cashing in unless some other circumstances jumped in the way. So now let's move over to Brad Keselowski. He has one win here, and it happened in 2016. But other than that, he's got nothing, nothing to show, no top 10s whatsoever. And that's very surprising to me. His best finish 
other than that win was 12th and that happened in 2019 in the daytona 500 so kind of surprising for brad at the two car i i think i would have said like yeah he's somebody that knows how to maneuver through the the chaos or the the craziness of daytona but not so much his average finish is 26.3 now once again his driver rating shows a little bit more there his driver rating's 10th out of everybody 78.7 so it tells you that he's just not getting the finishes and now that I'm saying that out loud, I mean, I can kind of remember some races in the past where he has been up front and just got caught up in some of these wild wrecks. Now, when you're looking at two guys who have similar numbers that both aren't necessarily great, the question is, well, how do you pick one or the other? Well, looking at them head to head at Daytona, Harvick has a dominating lead, seven to three head to head at Daytona when they're both on the track together. And on top of that, it's Harvick's year, like we said. So my pick this week is going to be Harvick. I'm going to take the favorite in this matchup. It's just too hard to take Keselowski in this one. I mean, I really wanted to take Brad when I was looking at this matchup, but when you dive into the stats and just the finishes, just too rough there for me to take and to bet against the number one guy in the sport. So Harvick is the pick in that first one. Now let's take a look at a very interesting one and. In one that I don't even think is a very even matchup, but these guys are going off even right now, minus 115 apiece. This is Chase Elliott versus Kyle Busch. So I don't really see it. If I'm the sports books, I don't understand why I would make this an even matchup to, to start when the odds were released. So we'll start with Chase Elliott, I guess, because Chase is really the problem here. He is not good at this racetrack. I, I don't know how else to say it. No top 10s in his time here. And his average finish is 26.8. Any Chase Elliott fans know this? I mean, I don't know if this is something that's like a, a known thing. I don't think I ever would have guessed that if you were to tell me like, hey, Phil, how's Chase at Daytona? I probably would have said, yeah, I mean, he's pretty good because you remember things like the fact that he's got three poles here. That is something you remember. He's sitting on the pole at the 500 at least once, maybe twice. I think he won the one of the Daytona duels back in a few years back here. So those things kind of stand out to you. The finishes clearly are not great. His best finish here is 14th in his career. His driver rating doesn't even tell you that he's that good. It's 17th on the circuit. Not great. Now, he has led some laps, 87 laps led, but... When, when you're seeing someone with a bad average finish, my thought immediately says, okay, what are we looking at in terms of driver rating? And the driver rating doesn't even say anything good for Chase in this aspect here. So looking at it, does he really just not like it here? I mean, or is the pressure too high? I can remember seeing an interview two Daytona 500s ago where Chase was sitting down with Blaney and, and a couple guys from Barstool talking about Daytona and they were trying to get out of him like hey what a great racetrack this is right and Chase kind of took me by surprise in the interview and said like yeah this isn't my favorite racetrack Bristol's my favorite racetrack that's a track that you should you know take a look at this one no I'm not really a fan and that kind of took me by surprise because it was more of like a, a media junket like trying to you know get some momentum for that race maybe it's in his head I don't know but not great numbers so now we look at Kyle Busch and I say this is kind of a lopsided matchup because Kyle is the complete other side of things. I mean, his driver rating is first out of all active drivers. First. 
that's damn good. Looking at his last 10, three top fives, three top tens. So average finish, not fantastic in his last 10 races, 18.8. I mean, you're going to get some higher numbers anyway. I mean, the guy with the the best average finish, just pulling it up now, is is 10.7. So, you know, 18.8, not great, but not awful. He finished second here in the 2019 Daytona 500. So that was the last time he really had a, a lot of success. Kyle, I mean, we know this about him. He's really going all out and he's either going to wreck the car and crash and be all frustrated and be mean to the people after the care center and the interview process, or he's going to be up front looking at a top five, trying to score a win, you know, towards the end of the race. So if you look at the points earned at Daytona, seventh is where he lands on that list. It just goes to show you, you know, that driver rating stat really does matter. Head-to-head versus Chase, Kyle has the 7-2 lead. I got to go with Kyle just because of everything I said about Chase. Like, I honestly think that it doesn't matter what Kyle's stats are. Chase's are so bad that I have to take the opposite. It's just what the stats are saying to do. So, in this case, the pick here for me, minus 115, Kyle Busch in that 18 car. So, now we're going to look at Kyle's brother, Kurt, taking on kind of a wild card. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I said I threw him into the daily fantasy lineup, so let's talk about this a little bit. These are some of the off-brand picks, some some guys that are a little bit more obscure. I mean, Kurt, Chip Ganassi Racing, that's not really obscure, but he's just been in the shadows this year. That's why I say that. And then Stenhouse, JTG, Doherty Racing, they have not been able to put anything really together. I listen to Brad Doherty all the time on NASCAR radio when he's on there, and he's just... A little bit beside himself, kind of frustrated here with the year that they've had. So um, some off-brand guys, and and these are the types of guys that could go up and snag one of these wins at this night race for Daytona. So let's dive into some of these stats here. We'll start with Kurt. He has a win, the Daytona 500 win a few years back, 2017. Two top fives, four top tens, so pretty solid numbers there. His driver rating is seventh. His average finish, 19.8. That's not good enough to be in the top 10 out of anyone, but still pretty solid numbers overall. Out of points earned, he's 10th in that stat. So all those things are pretty typical of what we've seen out of Kurt Busch all year, right? Like he is pretty solid at a racetrack. He's, you know, usually getting good odds to finish in the top 10 or to win the race if you really like his stats. But at the end of the day, is it worth taking? Because his season just hasn't been going as well as he probably would have liked, as well as the stats would project. And looking a little bit further, in his last six races here at Daytona, his best finish is 10th. So that tells you that he's going to you know, really be fighting for that top 10, maybe further down in the pack. That gives some space if, if he's not consistently up in that top 10 that gives some room for someone to try to to beat him so now let's look at ricky stenhouse he also has a win at this racetrack two top fives and two top tens he won in 2017 in the summer so these two guys won the races here in 2017 i didn't even put that together until right now so he had the pole for the 500 this year he finished 20th in that race so kind of a brutal year not great. They need something. And the thing about Stenhouse is when we go to these super speedways, everybody's looking to him. He's going to be the trendsetter. He's going to be the guy who finds his way out front, leading the big pack. 
people are going to be nervous when they're around him because he's the guy that's going to take risks. And it's just, it is, he is who he is. He's unapologetic about it. I mean, he's going to take risks, put other people at risk. His average finish is ninth out of all active drivers, 18.1. And that's coming from someone who wrecks a lot because he gets himself into trouble trying to take those risks. When we look at points earned, very telling stat, fourth out of everybody in the circuit. So that's an interesting one for me. Now, when we put these two guys up against each other head-to-head at Daytona, it's a 5-5 split. So my thought in this matchup, Kurt has let me down consistently through this year. He is just kind of chicken-assy overall. Something's up with them. I keep saying it every week. So I want to take somebody different. And I want to take somebody like Stenhouse, who is fun to watch on these racetracks. I like taking guys at tracks that they love to perform at. This is a track that Stenhouse loves. It's a track that that team needs something more so than Kurt Busch. He's in. He's kind of just going through the motions. He's into the playoffs. doesn't matter. Stenhouse, he could shake up the whole sport with a win if he were to snag it. So they're really going to be going all out. And I just like that about it. So mark me down for the 47 car, minus 115 there against Kurt Busch. Now our final matchup. It's a bit of a snoozer, to be honest with you, but that kind of draws me to it because it has me paying attention to something that I otherwise wouldn't be really caring about. And this is a complete toss-up here. William Byron versus Eric Jones, the 24 versus the 20. So let's first look at young William Byron, only five races at this racetrack. He has one top five. Now, last year's race in the summer, he finished second. That's pretty good. A second place finish at a racetrack like this. His average finish is 23.6. Now, his driver rating is ninth. So that's exactly why we look at it. Rough average finish, but it shows his driver rating. He has performed well during these races. We're seeing a lot of that through the field this week as we talk about these guys. So out of five starts, he's only had one good one. I mean, he's in the 30s, late 20s, not great. He's battling for points. That's the thing about William Byron. He's really on the line with Jimmy Johnson where every spot matters. You better believe NBC is going to have that ticker up showing you where they are at all times. So that's going to mean to me that he's driving tight. He's driving concerned. He's You, you can say that he's going to go out there and, and say the opposite, like, hey, whatever happens, happens. But I don't think so. I think they're going to be trying too hard. And you know you're gripping the wheel too hard. Bad things happen at a racetrack like this. You end up in the big one, and you want to avoid that. Top of that, I mean, they highlighted last week about the issues that he and Chad Canales had on the radio. That was kind of awkward. You don't like to see that when you're going into the you know last couple stretches here before the playoffs and during the playoff hunt, uh, excuse me, the, the playoff run, if you were to make it in. So I don't like what I saw about that. They can play it off and laugh about it, but still kind of weird to – you know, have that happening at this time. Now let's look at Eric Jones. Pretty much the complete opposite. He has a win here at the summer race a few years back. Two top fives, three top tens in his time here. He won this race, like I said, in 2018. 10th in average finish. So pretty good. Now his driver rating is 19. So that's the complete opposite of William Byron, where he had a rough driver rating compared to a good average finish. So Kind of strange, but I like to look at the mentality of the driver because we just did that with Byron, so let's do it with Jones. I mean, he's driving free, man. He's 
He's got nothing to lose. He already lost his job, right? He's not in the playoffs right now. It would take, I mean, he's technically in a spot where he could point himself in if something catastrophic were to happen to the guys in front of him, but he's got to win the race. And there's something more free about that feeling than to be in Byron's position. So I'm going to go with Eric Jones in this matchup. He also has the 3-2 to lead over Byron at Daytona head-to-head. But I just like the going with the driver who has that free mentality compared to the guy who's you know, more tight. So Jones in the 20 card, he's the pick. He's our guy. Lock it in. There it is. So let's recap our four picks for the head-to-head matchups this week. Harvick over Kozlowski, minus 129. Kyle Busch over Chase Elliott, minus 115. Stenhouse over Kurt Busch, minus 115. And Eric Jones, minus 115 over Byron. I honestly didn't know I was going to take in that one until I really dug into it and thought about it. So I like it. Really talked myself into that one. Those are the picks. Parlay it. We're doing it this weekend. So we're going to end it this week with a Phil's Fired Up section about NASCAR future bets. Some future bets that exist right now. Some future bets that we think should definitely exist. And then some rumor mill bets that we also would love to be able to bet on. Kind of a wish list type of deal. So we're going to start with championship picks right now. The odds that are out there and, and kind of how to play it. So if you're someone who maybe is, is trying to get in on this now... Looking ahead towards the championship, let's look at it. I have never seen, in my time betting on NASCAR, a driver to win the championship with as low of odds as we're seeing right now for Kevin Harvick. He is going off at plus 200. Hamlin's right behind at plus 300. I've never seen that, honestly. I mean... used to seeing around plus 400, 500, 600 at this time in the season. This is wild. It makes sense. Like these guys are dominating. But what I would say is this number, I I usually look at it each week, maybe the the Monday after the race, because the, the real odds for that week aren't out yet. And the future bets are all you can really make. And this number fluctuates. So I would say avoid making that bet. If you're a Harvick fan or a Hamlin fan or just somebody looking to cash in on their success this year, I would hold off a little bit. Wait until they have some rough weeks ahead. I mean, their number is definitely going to drop if they have some struggles in these coming weeks. But it doesn't matter to you because you'll just get them at a better number and they still have all these bonus points working their way through the playoffs. I mean, those... Unless something terrible happens, those two are definitely going to be in the top eight, most likely the top four, and then at that point it's just on in Phoenix. So I would hold off. Now, if you're looking to cash in on a couple guys at a good number before, right, the opposite of the the stock analogy, you're trying to buy low, well, how about Kyle Busch? I mean, he hasn't peaked yet this season, you would think, and he's going off at plus 1,200 right now. So you kind of feel like he's a volcano about to blow. And if he were to, hypothetically, go off and rip off like three wins between now and Phoenix, that number's absolutely going to drop. 
you're, you're not going to get him at that number. So I really like plus 1,200. I don't think he's going to drop the, the number's going to go up any further to plus 14 or plus 16 um, unless, you know, he's really on the outskirts of the playoffs when that actually unfolds. One of these rounds, maybe he's on the outside looking in. At that point, yes. But this point in the season, he's looking pretty good for someone who could surprise some people, and, and that's a good number. Chase is going off at plus 800. I think he's going to be there towards the end. And how about Joey Logano, plus 1,400? That's a pretty good value, kind of like what we're saying about Kyle. I mean, he's somebody that could jump up and surprise you, and plus 350 to finish in the top four. So those are the bets that I think you should really be focusing on, not the ones like Hamlin or Harvick at this point, because I really do think that they're going to come back down to earth and you'll see a better value for them at some point in the season. So that's the the look right now, just checking in on the, the championship odds, the NASCAR future bet for that one. Now let's talk about something that absolutely should exist for the gambler out there on every sports book, and that is the NASCAR future bet to make the playoffs. This should exist all season long, starting before Daytona, where the number is, you know, crazy kind of all over the board. But at a weekend like this, it's even more fun. So when you see that ticker that NBC is definitely going to beat into the ground, showing who's in and who's out, Imagine having money on that ticker. I mean, I, I love betting on sports where you're actually seeing what you're betting on, right? There's nothing worse when you bet on like golf or NASCAR even when they don't show your guy, right? You're you're not getting to see the, the product that you bet on. Well, I think it makes absolute sense to be able to bet on the playoff picture. So what would it look like right now? Well, Clint would be almost a shoe-in, right? So he'd be maybe minus... 500, right? So if you want to bet on Clint to make the playoffs, he's really good points-wise. You're going to have to put up for it. So minus 500 would be kind of on point there unless something catastrophic happens to him. Huge wreck, finishing close to dead last. He's pretty much in, so that's a shoe-in. But then it drops big time. You have Matty D and Byron who are very much within the crosshairs of Jimmy Johnson. So you would put them, you'd probably expect them to be maybe minus 150 to make the playoffs at this point. And then you set Johnson around plus 115 because something easily could happen for him to get in. Hell, he could win the race. So it's really something that they're missing here. The books are missing this. I don't know what else to say. I mean, this would be a very fun bet to have this week, It'd be a fun conversation to have, and we're missing it. And they could make money on this. I mean, you're going to get guys that throw up money. They're going to put out, shell out that money on Clint Boyer. And what if he doesn't make the playoffs? I mean, they would just cash in. The sports books is who I'm talking about there. So crazy. And then what about guys that are on the outside looking in? We talked about Eric Jones. How about Tyler Reddick? I mean, he's somebody who could snag a win. He's an obscure guy that could steal something at a racetrack like this. Their odds could be right there as well. Plus 400 to make playoffs, plus 800 to make playoffs. So very easy bet, I think, to put together if you're the sports books and something that absolutely should exist. We just got to hope that they get it together for next season because obviously this is the last of it uh, for this year. Now to the rumor mill. 
Something that I think would be really fun to bet on. We've talked about silly season, NASCAR free agency. Well, there's a rumor out there that's expected to kind of unfold this weekend that Richard Petty Motorsports is going to team up with Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan in an ownership role to put together a package for that team to then join Toyota and be an affiliate of JGR with Bob Levine Family Racing, out of the picture now, JGR, that that car is out of there. So the thought process here is that Hamlin and Jordan are going to go in on Richard Petty Motorsports. They're going to use Hamlin's connections, I assume, with Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing to make them an affiliate and then fund a second car. So you would have the 43 car and then a second car on top of that. Now, a lot of this kind of hinges on the Bubba Wallace situation because he's a very sought-after free agent. And I know that Chip Ganassi is really making a run at him to drive the 42 car next year. And the rumor mill is saying that they're putting out their final offer to him after the race this weekend on Monday, but he's expected to turn it down. So a lot going on there. Right. The the rumored driver to if this were to all unfold and Bubba would stay in the 43 with this new affiliation, with new parts, JGR and Toyota. Then the rumor is that Daniel Hemrick would be the favorite to land that second spot for Richard Petty Motorsports. Crazy stuff. I haven't seen anything that wild uh, in a long time. So how fun would it be to bet on this type of stuff? Right. Are they going to have two cars? Who is going to be? Um, running Toyota next year, right? Or what manufacturer will Richard Petty Motorsports be running next year? Maybe the the favorite is Ford, but Toyota is kind of sneaking up as uh, maybe less of an underdog there. I don't know. And as you can see, Vegas would be able to tell us and help us read between the lines on these rumors. Now, I think it would also be fun to say, wait, who would be driving that second car? And what would that number be for that second car, Right. All of these things, I know it's kind of a, a pipe dream to be able to bet on this stuff, but it's a, a fun conversation to have and would be really interesting if the, the books could make that happen. So we'll see how that unfolds. I'm really interested to see that go down. But in either case, we should be able to bet on that. And, and that's my case, and I'm sticking to it. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Full Tank with Phil. Thanks for joining us this week. Get those bets placed for the Daytona Night Race. Going to be a fun one. Give us a follow on Instagram at Full Tank Phil. We'll update Insta stories with anything, maybe truck related, Xfinity related bets. We'll throw them up on there. We're going to crack some beers open, have a good time Saturday night watching these races, and we're going to win some money in the process. So let's line our pockets and get ready for the playoffs. Drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Place to go, darling. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.